Hi, Melissa. I'm yes. Nina. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And your name again? Nina. Nina. Yeah, okay. Nice to could you tell me what you're what we're doing today well we're gonna go out and try to find some chanterelle mushrooms and uh, they're a fun mushroom to look for because they're kind of a bright color so unlike morel mushrooms they're kind of camouflaged and they look a little bit like all the leaf litter and everything is kind of hard to find but chanterelles kind of pop out there a, a yellow what do you like about fungi Oh, it's, it's extremely interesting. I mean, the variety of, of everything that you can learn. Um, I think that's the, the main draw for me. Uh, and, and that they are just everywhere. So when I first started, it's like, oh, I probably won't find any mushrooms today. And it, you can always find mushrooms. They're everywhere. I mean, if you just look around and start paying attention and... And you can kind of tell like who's an optimist and who's a pessimist because if you you know if you if you're looking on the bright side you might be able to eat that but then if you're looking on the negative side it's like oh that might kill you you know so it's it's one or the other always though but um, but you know as people get more into edibles I, I found that it is kind of a gateway into just learning more about fungus in general and and uh, exploring and and then it, it becomes less of a question of, you know, can I eat it or not? It's just, oh, what species is this? You're listening to Canned Peaches from KBIA. I'm Nina Mukherjee Firstenoff. We're trekking through farms, forests, and faraway kitchens, exploring five ingredients. Come with us to discover how communities locally and globally are intertwined through food. Mushrooms have captured people's attention for centuries, they pop up in ancient Chinese art, Celtic fairy tales, and today's indigenous medicine. But over the last few years, mushrooms have rapidly increased in popularity. The so-called shroom boom has opened the doors for people to find new communities through fungi. Before we get into all things mushrooms, it might be helpful to get a few fungal facts straight. So I have with me producer Lauren Heinz Acosta, who reported on this episode. Hey Lauren. So to start, what's the difference between mushrooms and fungi? Well, fungi are a kingdom separate from plants and animals, and mushrooms are part of the fungi kingdom, including lichens, yeasts, and molds. One way to think about mushrooms is that they are the fruiting body in a way. What do you mean? So mushrooms grow from a fungus called the mycelium. It's this white, fuzzy network of threads that grows beneath the ground. It's like an apple tree making apples. That's really interesting to think of it that way. We wanted to see some mushrooms firsthand, so we took a foraging trip with Missouri State botanist Melissa Brigler back in July. She invited us to her house in New Bloomfield, Missouri. It was surrounded by a forest woodland, perfect for mushrooms. After talking a bit outside of Melissa's house, we were ready to get our hands on some mushrooms. So Melissa led us into the forest by her house. Nina thought she saw a mushroom just five minutes in. We're gonna head to that gate right there. Let's see, so what we probably wanna look at is more like kind of over here. And so with chanterelles, yeah, try. There, there is a, a game that um, mushroom hunters play. Is it trash or a mushroom? Because <laughs> sometimes you run across something you thought was a mushroom. You walk all the way down this hill and find out it was just a styrofoam cup or something like that. Yeah, here's something. <laughs> we can pretend we found it here. <laughs> what kind of mushroom is, is that? Polypore, and it's a mushroom. 
We did find some mushrooms after scaling a steep hill, but they weren't edible. It was interesting, though, since they were growing up a fallen tree, but Melissa wasn't disappointed. We did find, and that's what I'm, that's my example is like, you can always find mushrooms, you know, it might not be the one you're looking for, um, but there's always something to discover. Huh, there's so many connections in nature. <laughs> and what I was saying earlier is that it seems like this nature and your interest in, in all in plants and, and other and everything yeah. out here is draws you here and it draws has drawn people to nature for a long time and people interested in mushrooms have to be involved in that. Yeah. Uh, or that they're not gonna find it. Because look at how much we've looked a little while today. Mm-hmm. It's not easy pickings you know you have to be patient and you have to look and you have to kind of just sort of wander yeah yeah well and I I tell people that too and try to um, encourage people to go out and hunt mushrooms because even if you don't find what you're looking for it's still a good good way to spend your time you know and and you do end up learning more about the wildflowers you saw or or the spiders that you walked into or something you know that's like it's still um you're you're really not disappointed with your experience you know I mean I'm not in my experience I haven't been but you know some people might be more on a mission (laughs) if they didn't accomplish their mission but we were we're talking a little bit about how food connects community but it's also how I mean food connects us is in this case especially maybe it's easy to see is connecting us to this larger natural world because you yeah. have to go get it yourself uh-huh. many times. Now we can get some things in groceries. but Well, and a way to just disconnect, you know, to, we're so busy and, you know, connected and, and you got to deal with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> disconnect to connect, yeah. yeah. It turns out mushrooms are about wandering. Spending time going through that forest and being present, looking for mushrooms was really nice. Uh, it was really nice and very pretty, um, but I did run into like three spider webs, <laughs> and I got a lot of ticks. So not really. I mean, I guess it was worth it, um, but I don't know. <laughs> Lauren, I don't think that stops lots of people mm. from getting out there. Mm. So let's take a moment to reflect how pervasive food is in our cultures. The image of food evokes more than taste. It gives us insight into history place, and identity. And often, literature shows how connected food can be to all those and more. Let's listen to an excerpt. From Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, Chapter 5. Alice remained looking thoughtfully at the mushroom for a minute, trying to make out which were the two sides of it. And as it was perfectly round, she found this a very difficult question. However, at last she stretched her arms round it as far as they would go and broke off a bit of the edge with each hand. And now, which is which, she said to herself, and nibbled a little of the right-hand bit to try the effect. The next moment she felt a violent blow underneath her chin. It had struck her foot. She was a good deal frightened by this very sudden change, but she felt there was no time to be lost as she was shrinking rapidly so she set to work at once to eat some of the other bit. Her chin was pressed so closely against her foot that there was hardly room to open her mouth. But she did it at last and managed to swallow a morsel of the left-hand bit. Come, my head is free at last, she said in a tone of delight, which changed into alarm in another moment when she found that her shoulders were nowhere to be found, 
All she could see when she looked down was an immense length of neck, which seemed to rise like a stalk out of the sea of green leaves that lay far below her. How did this room boom come about, anyway? Yeah, that's a good question. Gets my mind off the spiders, but... Many foragers and mushroom growers say it really jump-started when the documentary Fantastic Fungi by Louis Schwartzberg came out in 2019. Then lockdown had everyone stuck inside looking for fun and safe things to do. People began foraging outside and then sharing that knowledge online through platforms like TikTok. Right, and that has created many communities around mushrooms. Melissa runs the Mid-Missouri chapter of the Mycological Society. She told us people come to the society with different levels of expertise. Right, right. And I I think the the people I've encountered and learning more about this, too, have always been so encouraging and helpful and how impressed I am with with the the knowledge that is out there. Uh, It's amazing. And, And certain groups, so some people get really specific, you know, so I'm just going to learn about this group of mushrooms and so then they get to be kind of an expert on that to where other professionals are going to that person um and so yeah it's 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 pretty neat and that creates a community of shared knowledge i talked more about that and other groups that have formed around foraging with hosmic shalakian and patricia kashian hosmic is a graduate student at berkeley and patricia is the curator of mycology at the new york state museum The two wrote a paper back in 2020 saying mycology is a queer discipline. Let's listen into a conversation I had with them back in July. I think not always necessarily, but I think sometimes like the structure of those spaces kind of invites like a non-hierarchical space for people um, to enter into. And I think that that always feels really special. Okay, wonderful. Um, So I read your paper and I thought it was super interesting and I kind of started on this path of like mushrooms and queer culture because my colleague and I were talking about just how mushrooms already appears very much in the queer community um, and like cottagecore, very frog and toad vibes. So do you think maybe that paper kind of helped jumpstart that or? Really, it's like kind of amazing to see that people were like taking up um interest in the natural world and at a scale that I had never seen before um and foraging was a big entry point for some people into mushrooms um so I'm definitely not saying that we caused that because that was like a global mm-hmm. phenomenon um but I do think that we sort of put into the e- ether the the, the, the explicitness of this connection to queerness. So what's the connection between LGBTQ plus community and fungi? It seems mycology and the LGBTQ plus experience have many parallels. One, fungi live outside of a binary, in this case, the plant and animal kingdoms. Two, the Western world has rejected fungi because it's seen as deviant and dangerous. Three, fungi don't have a binary mechanism for sex or reproduction, or at least not very often. Some reproduce asexually without a mating partner. There are even 23,000 different genetic combinations at the chromosomal level. Fungi embody many different types of reproductive options and don't have a strict 
binary method. And on top of that, over 10% of mycologists identified as LGBTQ+, according to the Mycological Society of America's 2016 survey. That was about three times the national reported average at the time. And more has come out about this shroom boom. We've seen a shift to plant-based diets, mushroom growing kits, and a new industry. Even though we were unsuccessful finding edible mushrooms, Lauren, Chef J2 <laughs> Jeleno had some chanterelles for us. He was growing his own 90 miles away near St. Louis at his mushroom cultivation facility called Mushrooms Naturally. You're listening to Canned Peaches, and we're excited to introduce you to our sponsor, Greenleaf Solar, the local solar installation company. Greenleaf Solar is your trusted partner in the quest to lower your carbon footprint and trim those electrical expenses, catering to both residents and businesses. The best part, they offer complimentary consultations and a 10-year done-right guarantee on all installs. To embark on the journey towards a cleaner, more affordable energy future, Google Greenleaf Solar. Let Greenleaf Solar guide you in making a meaningful impact today. Very nice, nice to meet nice you. To meet you. Welcome. I'm Lauren. I'm JT. Nice to meet you. So the first time you did this, did you have to like trust in in um, a lot of um, have a lot of trust to see this is going to be something edible? The first time I actually grew a, a successful mushroom was pretty exciting because it was six six to eight weeks of doing all of this stuff and this being very new and not knowing what to look for, you know, because there weren't there. There are no colleges that teach you how to grow mushrooms. You know, there are plenty of agricultural schools out there, but nobody, it is such a new industry that besides, you know, internet learning and then a few books from a few, um, you know, writers and educators, it's been so unknown that, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I started doing this, I couldn't look up reference pictures, you know, real quick to make sure that things were okay. But then, you know, when my first shiitake mushroom grew, I was excited, you know, I couldn't be happier. And so you, you say within the last nine years of you doing this, you've seen an uptick. Oh, so like, how, it, like, give me an example. Like, uh, uh, so for lion's mane mushroom, uh, you know, and, and a lot of it has to do with some of the documentaries that have come out. So Fantastic Fungi was a huge one, um, you know, and it happened to come out during a pandemic when people were watching a lot of TV and just kind of educating. So the fact that people have never known about them is crazy, you know, but me as a, as a cultivator and a chef, I've known about these forever. We had to stop growing them because we had so many chefs not want to use them. And this was five or six years ago. So we stopped and it took the general public's demand and asking for these mushrooms uh, that we started growing them again. So the community of people who grow mushrooms do you have any like do you have any characteristics of people who grow mushrooms? Uh yeah, you know, a lot of the mushroom growers that I know locally are all people that were kind of self-taught into science or gardening in some aspects and it's just kind of grown into a deeper dive and a lot of us started growing all at the same time because of different reasons. 
Um, but Paul Stamets came out with a couple books. There were a couple websites in the early 2000s, and it really turned a lot of people on to like the practicality and the actuality of being able to grow at home. So it's just more or less like the information being available. So Nina, what was that like seeing his whole mushroom facility? What did he show you? It was astonishing, like a wonderland. There was one room with a 12-foot ceiling that had these bags of sawdust and fuzzy white mycelium stacked to the ceiling. He said that the room can grow several thousand pounds of mushrooms. Not one person in this room would be standing here if it weren't for fungi. And the fact that people are just now kind of realizing what a background player mushrooms have been in their lives Mushrooms have been connecting us for a long time, and so many cultures have grown up through ignorance and mycophobia that now the general public is becoming aware that a lot of these things are just old mentalities, and they're getting old over these stereotypes of mushrooms being a bad thing to stay away from just to avoid for safety, and they're really realizing all of the things that they can do. The mushroom boom really is so broad and it's so person-related. There's not an age of person. There's not a type of person. People want to change their health. People want to change their, their plastic usage. People want to change all kinds of things for the better. And mushrooms are just giving people a venue for it, a vehicle for it. Oh, my gosh. Please tell me you got to eat some mushrooms. Don't you worry, Lauren. JT walked us through a mushroom tasting. He also made a summer sweet potato hash with locally found chanterelles. And I see that you just put some olive oil. No. This is a, a grapeseed oil. Grapeseed. Yeah. So we're going to heat that up in our cast iron. Um, we'll brown up our sweet potatoes. We'll pull those out. And then we'll give our chanterelle mushrooms a good hard sear to really kind of caramelize them, almost like you would a bacon or like a, mm-hmm. a you know a meat-based product mm-hmm. for the base of a hash. But again, mm-hmm. all vegan. And then we're going to put some of our um, butternut squash and shiitake miso paste that we make, mm-hmm. and then finish it with some of our uh, shio. So that sounds fantastic. <laughs> it should be it should be pretty good. So what did he have you try? Yeah, he gave us a whole spread of different mushrooms. I think it was from the mildest flavor to mushrooms with the most umami or savory flavor. Hen of the Woods was one of my favorites. It had the texture of crab. And I guess you're going to have to listen now to how much I loved trying them all. I'm going to start eating. Okay. Yeah, if you guys want to just start trying all of your mushrooms. You know, now that you've got the progression, you can really start feeling the difference in flavors and textures as you work your way through them. Second one. Mmm. Oh, man. Subtle difference. Mm. You've got them in a nice order here. I did them in the order from mild to stronger. Just like you cooked them. These are actually a, um, a <laughs> Textures are different. Oh I mean, you're having a great time. That's, 
That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, you know, texture makes a big difference to me, and the silkiness of some of the varieties was intriguing. I love the big umami flavors of the last ones especially. Yeah, I've always liked mushrooms, but I understand why some people might find it gross. I mean, to those of you who don't love eating mushrooms or know someone who doesn't, JT might have something to say about that. It's just people to try these different varieties and to, to get the flavor profiles and to get over whatever thing they don't like mushrooms for in their head, you know, whether it be a juvenile memory or, you know, this soft, sloppy mushroom that they just never liked or, you know, mom just never really cooked them right. Just unfamiliar it's just trying it the right way. And I get, I get 75-year-old men that grew up in the country that you would never, ever convince <laughs> in your life to try these things. And they come back the next week and they're like, that's it. I want more. Wow. That's really, yeah. really fun. So to review, the Shroom Boom has brought mushrooms out of the stinky, scary spotlight and into something people can build communities around. There's a whole new industry around it, and people are expanding their palate. Yes, mushrooms are certainly getting their fair share of love. Hope Flanagan, or Nudanansikwai, is even seeing elders in the Ojibwe community starting to use mushrooms differently. She's a Seneca elder that teaches about wild plant gathering for Dream of Wild Health in Minnesota. I talked with Hope about how mushrooms are now also being used as a food source instead of only as medicine in her native spaces. Well, for one thing, there's less and less access to meats um, as there's less and less forests, and then the forests are changing with um, climate change. There's less and less uh, proteins available, the old proteins that you would depend on. So of course, you're gonna look at what are some other protein sources. As this earth is changing with climate change, we're gonna have to get more and more aware of what are actual foods and how do you use them according to what plants are willing to show up and put up with our human frailties in the old stories um the humans are the last ones here so we're the silly babies that don't know how to act and our job is to listen to our elders that have been here before us mother earth the sun the creator all the spirits the plants everything was here before us we're the youngest silliest less less capable ones mm -hmm. So what are some maybe foraging practices that go against that? Or if there's not really a money incentive involved? Count 13 and pick one. Mm -hmm. That's always, never do more than that. Count 13 and pick one. Always give before you take. So for us, it's tobacco, but it could be food. And don't be like, oh, gee, I don't want the end of this old hot dog. I'm going to put that out. Don't do that. You give them the best part, the first part. So when you start thinking like that, when you start valuing something, we start thinking, oh, my gosh, I really, really want this. But I'm going to sacrifice, sacrifice this because I'm being given a gift from Mother Earth from this living being, this fungus, this mushroom. The tree had to die to let the mycelia live. And now they're here and here's this fruiting body, which is just gonna go back into the mycelium. You know, so, you know, you've gotta think about the whole system.
Like Melissa said, when you go out looking for mushrooms, you might not find what you're looking for, but you might find something more. I don't think we've got a whole lot of wiggle room to spend a lot of time not being present because we're going to need each other for spiritual support, for growing food, for cleaning water, whatever it is, to go back to tribal thinking about like, don't, I'm not the winner here. It's we, this is a we experience, not a I experience. Cam Features is produced by Lauren Hines Acosta, Janet Saidi, and me, Nina Mukherjee Firstenau, with production help from Yaisha Mikawajchuk and Alex Cox. The series is written by Lauren Hines Acosta and Janet Saidi. Our editor is Aaron Hay. Thanks to Lauren Hines Acosta for co-hosting this episode with me. Can Peaches is a project of the Missouri News Network at the Missouri School of Journalism, Fox Magazine, Harvest Public Media, and KBIA. Our engagement and outreach team is led by Jessica Von Martin, Cassidy Arena, and Professor Kara Edgerson. Special thanks to Harvest Public Media's Maria Altman, Fox Magazine's Heather Isherwood, and the Missouri School of Journalism Lee Hills Chair of Free Press Studies, Professor Kathy Kiley. Can Peaches is produced with support from the Missouri Humanities and the Missouri Humanities Trust Fund. On Can Peaches, we're exploring how we're all connected through the food on our plates. For more episodes, go to kbia.org, and you can see more stories from Can Peaches at foxmagazine.com. I'm Nina Mukherjee Firstenau. Thanks for listening. See you next time.